We're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance, so I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm your co-host, Benton Crane, and today I'm joined by Benji Travis. Welcome to the show, Benji. Well, thank you for having me. Honored. So Benji has been on YouTube for over a decade, and he has a family YouTube channel that has over 1.5 million subscribers yep. and just shy of 1 billion yeah, channel views. Yeah, so crazy. <laughs> so that's a big milestone coming yeah, absolutely. up, right? Yeah, that's, you know, we've got multiple channels, but that number is so significant because it's something that a lot of people uh, don't hit and uh -huh. um, it's not all about the views but still it's significant for us yeah yeah that's no small thing so in addition benji is also the co-author of the book youtube secrets um so having a decade of experience sure. you've got a lot of knowledge to share well thank about you YouTube. yeah i like to think that my experience could help other people for sure certainly certainly Actually, why don't we start there? Yeah. I'd, I'd like for you to talk, kind of talk through your thoughts on YouTube as sure. a platform. Yeah. And then after that, we're going to dive into your backstory for a little sure. bit. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm a huge fan of YouTube. I definitely call myself a YouTuber. Never thought I would. But my wife first started um, early on doing video uh, beauty videos, and I just helped her as a businessman. We eventually became daily vloggers. And as our family grew, we started documenting that. So becoming family vloggers. I'd say we were one of the very early ones, starting around two, uh, 2011. And so, you know, now 2019. 19 we're still doing youtube um in that uh transition from you know being a youtuber to an author about a book on youtube we uh started another channel myself and the co-author called video influencers where we not only talk about our experiences and give tips on how to tackle this platform that mm -hmm. people obviously are interested in utilizing, whether as a creator or as a business person. Um, but we interview other YouTubers as well because actually they have more wisdom to provide because there's so many different kinds of niches that we can't speak to. Got it. Yeah. And how's that channel doing? Yeah. Well, so that channel just recently uh, got over half a million subscribers. We've been able to interview uh, Daniel, among uh, people, over 150 influencers. So everything from best practices on YouTube to how to make money on the platform to really uh, being confident on camera to, you know, like the best tools of the trade. So it's doing pretty well, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're a YouTuber. Yeah. You're a YouTube expert. Do you use or have a strategy for the other platforms, or are sure. you pretty honed in on YouTube? You know, one reason we named our channel Video Influencers is because we understand the power and understood the power of video across all platforms. Mm -hmm. So my wife and I, as YouTubers, we still grow our uh, our audiences on other platforms. You know, first it was Twitter and then Facebook and then eventually Instagram. And now we're, we're dabbling a little bit into some of the new ones, mostly me just experimenting. But, you know, even Facebook, for example, I'm a huge fan of YouTube. We actually have more followers on Facebook mm -hmm. because our unique demographic being... Southeast Asia, a lot of our fans live there. Mm -hmm. And so Facebook is more accessible for them for the weird reason of uh, data. 
So YouTube is a data heavy. Facebook isn't as data heavy, oh, even though we put our videos up on Facebook. So a lot of people don't know that. So we absolutely utilize the other platforms. And I definitely suggest other people trying different platforms. We just found, and again, going back to the book and video influencers, that YouTube's ut- utility is what sets it apart from other platforms because people are searching for things that they want a response from YouTube in, in, in the uh, form of results like mm-hmm. videos yep. to satisfy that search now i i've often said that in the early days mm-hmm. of of youtube yeah. videos lived on youtube both to be shared mm-hmm. and also to be searched yeah but the sharing happened mostly through facebook yeah. even at that time a youtube yeah. link would would go onto facebook mm-hmm. to be shared right and then facebook came out with their own video platform yeah. facebook yeah. video yep. and that kind of created this split where yes. Facebook became where videos go to be shared. Yeah. YouTube became where videos go to be uploaded. Yeah. Searched. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They, yep. That's, that's where they yes. live for the long haul. Um, so what, wh- what's your, what's your opinion on, you know, do the two platforms complement each mm-hmm. other? Do you have mm-hmm. kind of a joint strategy across them? I don't think they complement each other. Okay. Now, there once was a time, and like I just mentioned, we're a fan of both platforms, but they don't. In the beginning, you're right. You would upload to YouTube, and that's where you'd go to search, but you could easily share on Facebook, and mm-hmm. it looked very clean. In yep. fact, it almost looked like what Facebook videos look like today. Yep. It lived inside the, the ecosphere of Facebook and was very native looking. It was easy to share, and there was a lot of views driven. Of course, Facebook's, they're not making any the uh, revenue from mm-hmm. those ads playing. So they thought, hey, we need to start taking back control. They made the YouTube videos not look as native anymore. Mm-hmm. They started their own platform. That's actually when we started uh, Facebook, uh, my wife and I, and blew up on there. And in fact, like just in the first few years, went to a million followers on our Facebook. Now it's up to three million mm-hmm. followers on Facebook. That's right? fantastic. Way more than what we have on YouTube because we're early adopters of video on Facebook. But the reason I say they don't really complement each other is because there is definitely a war between Facebook and mm-hmm. video. Now, where Facebook really sets itself apart is it owns Instagram. So they actually have two platforms competing against mm-hmm. the tension for video to YouTube. And it'll be interesting how it plays out. And that's why I don't discount other platforms, even though the book specifies YouTube you still have to be dabbling in these other platforms because you don't know where they're going to go from here. So what did you identify about YouTube early on that made you really lean in mm-hmm. and and focus on putting it in a long-term strategy? So definitely number one thing is that you can monetize so easily. I'm not saying you were going to make enough money to be a quit your day job, you know, in a month from now. It was different for different people. My wife, for example, it took almost two years before she could really do this full time, be confident, like she's going to have a future here. But still that ad revenue was huge. Um, And secondly, the search aspect, nobody had search like that. So those two alone was enough. Mm -hmm. But the longevity of YouTube is what sets itself apart you know with platforms they're always like relevant and maybe not relevant there's a new player on the block and they might take a little bit of attention and then somebody else has to compete youtube has really stood alone i'd say they definitely you know huge fail on google's part google plus for example that Mm -hmm. was a direct competitor to facebook didn't work out so well 
their bread and butter is what's really been their saving grace. So I, uh, that's what I, I saw. It, the writing was on the wall for me that this is a place not only where people are uploading videos, they're looking for videos. And what a, a trend I saw was kids specifically. I learned so much from kids. What they consume or what they use really kind of leads the, the influence of what's going to be relevant in the future. And they want to be YouTubers. That wasn't even a thing when I started. Right. Of course, now I call myself a YouTuber because YouTube has yeah, has supported this community of YouTubers. But when you talk to elementary school kids and just any youth, even though they're using these new platforms like TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and you know they're building audiences, they still aspire to be a YouTuber. And I hope I don't sound all old fogey and maybe <laughs> that's not really the truth. I just talked to somebody that has kids who are influencers, has YouTube channels, but are big on other platforms. And still that title of being a YouTuber is what they are pursuing. So fascinating. It's crazy. Okay. So let, let's dive into your backstory right. a little bit. Yeah. How did you end up here? So actually how I ended up here was my biggest failure. And uh, my biggest failure also kind of sparked my involvement in YouTube. Mm -hmm. So when I was first starting out on YouTube, uh, I was uh, in real estate. And this is around 2008 during the real estate crash. That's a rough time yeah, to be in real estate. Yeah, I started estate. in 2007 and everything was great for about a year. Uh -huh. And then everything crashed and I lost almost everything. Literally, like not just all my properties. Uh, I literally lost everything that I owned. I was just trying to sell off stuff just to survive. In the midst of all that, my then girlfriend, who's now my wife... Mm -hmm was starting a YouTube channel. And I used to walk behind her and look over her shoulder and ask her what she's doing. She's like, oh, I'm just watching YouTube videos. And Wait, hold on, hold yeah. on. I got to stop you for a yeah. second. We're going to come right back to that thought. But you just said you lost everything. Yeah. What does that feel like? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, anybody that's been down on their luck and, uh, you know, tight on the funds knows the feeling of the stress that losing everything um, creates. And that's how I felt every single night. I would least stay up till two or 3 AM just thinking about like how I'm going to pay my bills and stress out about how I'm going to survive. Basically, definitely not a fun feeling. I had enough faith that I was going to get through it. I just didn't know how long it was going to take. And every day, even though it was continuing. So I, um, I had to stop flipping houses because that wasn't mm -hmm. a viable thing at the time because prices were dropping. Yep. People were just trying to figure out. I became a real estate agent of all things because I just wanted to survive and create income. Eventually, uh, I joined a real estate seminar to travel all over the country. And ironically, even though real estate had failed, a lot of people saw the opportunity because of prices dropping and uh, bank-owned properties and foreclosures. So there was a lot of opportunity there. It was just at the very beginning. It was in its infancy and so that that wasn't a fun it wasn't a fun feeling but it was a fun time because i could only go up from there uh -huh. that's how i would describe it okay so your your girlfriend at the time mm -hmm. now wife so she was starting yeah. a youtube yeah, channel yeah. so let's go back to that part of the story that's so interesting because in the midst of me being down on my luck i'm questioning why she's on youtube I'm mm -hmm. like you're wasting your time i was her first hater that's what's so crazy <laughs> i'm so supportive um as she was gaining traction i didn't think anything of it in terms of it being something we're both going to be into for the next decade by new 
that she was passionate about it and she was making some money. So I offered my business savvy, I guess you could say, because she had no desire to negotiate, to work with brands, to deal with contracts. And that was stuff that I had already experienced mm-hmm. through real estate and just being a businessman. So I, I helped her again, just to get her on her feet so that she could maybe quit her job. And back then, like becoming a YouTuber still wasn't a yeah, thing. It wasn't a thing. What I realized was if you're passionate about something, you have fun and you can get paid to do it. Why not? And she was going to school to be a child psychiatrist. She didn't really have a passion for it. That was something her family kind of influenced her to get into because being a doctor is a big deal, but she wasn't really having fun there. So obviously playing with makeup, teaching other women how to do their hair and beauty. That was what she was into. And I thought, Hey, if you can do this full time, why not? I'll support you as I'm also losing everything, right? Like, let me support you as much as I can, because (laughs) I had a lot of extra time on my hands. (laughs) And that's how we started on YouTube. And so the rest is history. Uh, Not only uh, did she turn me from a hater to basically her employee. She's my boss to this day. We got married. We documented that whole story. And that's why I say we were one of the first family vloggers because you you saw us as uh, a dating couple. We get married. We had our kids very public about like how we gave birth. We documented it, of course, keeping it all Mm -hmm. uh, PG and everything, but still like People have grown up with their kids. So 10 years later, we're a, a, a family of YouTubers on this platform, and our lifestyle it revolves around that. Tell us about the transition of what it was like to learn to be comfortable, A, with a camera in your yeah. face, and and B allowing that type of transparency yeah. into your family life. So uh, of, so the transition was easier for us because we kind of slowly got into it. My wife, she went head on, right, in terms of creating content to teach people about beauty. I was in the background, literally. So I thought I was doing her a favor. Probably when you look at these videos, not really so much. I let her use half of my office, not really realizing her background was going to be my messy real estate (laughs) agent setup, post-it notes Uh and a dirty desk. That was her background for a beauty video. If you watch beauty videos today, nice and clean, lighting, aesthetics. No, it was was just a really cheap $100 desk with my computer, with all this kind of stuff. So I got eased into it because people were like, who's that guy in the back? And so as that became a thing, we started doing videos on a second channel, a channel I told her, I suggested to create so that it didn't interfere with her beauty stuff. And that was the beginning of our vlog channel. It's Judy's Life. So that's how we got into it. And then, so for us, it was a natural organic progression. So we didn't really think anything of it versus say somebody has never had any experience on YouTube and say, hey, we want to be a family vlogger. Mm-hmm. That's so dramatic. We never had that experience because we kind of progressed so from one gradual. thing to that. Exactly. So it's never been a thing. I'll tell you, uh, getting used to being on camera was just something that came from practice. Of course, I wasn't making full-on talking head videos, advice and tips and uh, you know, crazy editing right from day one. It was like just me being in the background saying, hi, guys, mm-hmm. and I'm out of there. Yeah. And then the next time I'm sitting down with my wife and she's asking me questions and then so on and so on. Uh, interesting. <laughs> so fascinating. Okay. So talk to us about your creative process. Sure. Where do the ideas typically generate from? So for our vlog, it's 
again, I, I've been using a lot. It's very organic. You know, we might have an idea going into a special day. We're going to go to Hawaii soon. And so we know that we're going to try to capture a lot of the beauty of Hawaii and the beaches. Uh, there's certain activities that will make our um, vlog a little more entertaining. People know I love food. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go to, to the a farmer's market. I'm going to go to some of the local spots, get some pineapples, tropical fruits, kind of show that. But for the most part, it, it just follows what we would naturally do in a day. So it's very minimal planning, but we are purposeful about how we tape or record things. And then when it comes to the editing, that's all my wife. She edits everything to this day. And that's just a skill she's built up after uh, editing easily 1,800, maybe 2,000 videos. Wow. So, uh, yeah, in the beginning when she was teaching beauty, she had a topic or a, a lesson and she kind of knew what she was going to do from A to Z. And she was sculpting that maybe before and during the recording and then she edits it. Vlog, it's just much more natural. Now, what I do with Sean for video influencers, we really research. We're, we're figuring out what are the challenges and concerns the audience that we're trying to reach have. What do they need? And we record content in a way that we know will help them. So value first. And then we just make sure the title and thumbnail represent that and catches their attention and make sure they're getting what they expect. Gotcha. So would it be safe to say that the family vlog is more about documentation? Absolutely. Less about creation, but then on the the other channel, it's more about creating what the yep. audience needs. Yep. In fact, our vlog is a behind the scenes of her original beauty channel. She doesn't work it any longer because her heart is in what she does, not as just like a, a vlogger, but also she has a mom channel. Mm -hmm. But uh, the people that are watching those beauty channels, this is why I bring up me being in the, the be, behind her um, and working at my desk. They wanted a behind the scenes look into her life beyond the, the mm -hmm. tutorials. And that's what a vlog often is. Nowadays, people just go right straight to vlogs. And that's what's interesting to us because that wasn't the case back in the day. Most vloggers became vloggers as a result of another flagship channel that really oh, highlighted what they were good at or what they were known for. Now you've got people that just do straight up vlogs because their life is exciting or they're able to create content that's compelling. Interesting. Was that the case for the Shaytards? Did they start out with something well, else before you know, the Shay, family vlog? He, I believe he was a comedian, so he was okay. making short skit videos. But Shay gets a lot of credit for being not just one of the first daily vloggers, but one of the first family vloggers. We, of course, saw his progression um, as a smaller family to a much bigger family. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of playing both sides of it. But he really was the first one to create the niche of family vlogger so we we have a lot of appreciation for what he's done for the space what he's done for the platform because he is truly an og of uh, youtube and uh, every time i see him i always give him a big hug and say thank you because it, without him we wouldn't have had that vision because he definitely was one of the inspirations for us uh, starting a vlog channel as a family mm -hmm. that's awesome um Tell us the best way for our listeners to keep in touch with you and to follow you. So I'm guessing for your audience, um, you know, probably more business minded entrepreneurs uh, looking to create something, you know, uh, of gold. Uh, I'd say video influencers on YouTube is the best place if you're looking to learn how to 
maximize your presence on YouTube, mm-hmm. whether that's get views or subscribers or create income from your business um, or sell a product. And then on social media, you can also follow us on video influencers or just type in Benji Man TV, just like it sounds, B-E-N-J-I-M-A-N-T-V. And lastly, YouTube Secrets yeah. on Audible and Amazon. And that everything you need to know about YouTube is in that book. The audio book is like three to five hour listen, depending on how quickly you can do the 2X mode, you know. Awesome. Do you have any uh, interesting projects coming down the pipeline that you'd like to give a little sneak peek to? Interesting products? Uh, products? Look, it's a project. So I do have a product that I'm working on with my wife. It's the first time we're creating something. Um, so that's a new venture for me as we're trying to get away from vlogging because we're starting to taper back. And then really thinking about the future and what my wife wants to do. And that's the one lesson. More than announcing what I'm doing, uh, the one thing I want to share with people is just not only follow your passion, but follow your heart in whatever direction it goes, because that's where the best content is going to be created. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you're faking it because maybe you, you, you committed to something and now you're not feeling it, but you're like, I need to stick with it. it it's a quick way, not only to fail, but also get burnt out. Mm-hmm. So that's what I learned from my wife going from one type of content niche to the next is, uh, that switching. To, and so going back to the product, that's what it is. So we're going less to content creation to more, um, uh, product creation and then that would be the future and starting a new brand for her got it are you yep. talking uh, like physical products yep, physical products yeah cool. and we've worked with manufacturers and partners before but this will be 100 percent her customized product and then ultimately her brand benji it's been such a pleasure to have you on the Thank show you. Uh, i have a little gift for you i'm awesome. gonna give you a copy of our book from poop to Ooh. gold Love it. I love your guys' story. I'm always inspired to hear you know, what you guys have been able to create. So I appreciate this. And I already actually have this book. So I'm now you have one as a gift. Yes, I'm gonna totally give this as a gift. Um by the way, it's an amazing cover. So thank the, you. The the rainbow rainbow pooping unicorn. It'll be timeless. Well, thank you. <laughs> and of course, for our listeners, if you haven't read that, it really dives into how we created our culture at Harmon Brothers, which is a culture of creativity and storytelling. Um, And that wraps it up for today. So please make sure to like, share, and subscribe the podcast. And we'll see you on the next one.